Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. We just finished watching. What we want to do is we want to make sure that we find out what God says about a picture-perfect family because he's the creator. He created us. He created a family. <clears throat> it's his idea, so therefore uh, we want to find out from the owner's manual what is it that we need to do to have a picture-perfect family on the inside of the four walls of our house, not just on the, on the mantelpiece or, or hanging on the wall or a nice-looking picture. We said last week that God said that he forgives uh, iniquity, transgression, sin for thousands. That's what he said. But he says he also visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And that is a, oh my goodness, oh, I don't want that to happen. We all have made mistakes. We said in Deuteronomy uh, last uh, week, last, last week we said that Deuteronomy told us that uh, we needed to teach our children uh, when they are sitting in the house, when they are walking by the wayside or riding, when they sit down, when they, when they lie down, when they rise up. We need to be teaching our children. Uh, we need to, first of all, have the commandments in our heart, it said. <clears throat> now, we know, I know that I have not done that all, all the time. So if I have not done that all the time, then, God, what do I do? Is it in a hope for me? Is it in a hope that, that, that I can reverse this thing? What do I do now that I didn't do it correctly uh, at first? Because a lot of times, uh, like with me, I'd already had children. They already had gone to a certain stage in their development. Then I became a Christian. What do I do now, Lord? Because I know I didn't do it all their life. What do I do because I know I didn't do it right even when they were growing up? I did some of it, but I didn't do what you just said in your word. I didn't teach them uh, and, and talk about it when they sat down, when they rose up, when we were driving different places. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, but we didn't talk about your word all the time. What do I do, Lord? How can I reverse this thing? I don't want this thing going to the third and fourth generation. Let's start in Ezekiel chapter 18. Let's go there. See what God says. See what the owner says. We have to know God's heart. And in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 18, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, What do you mean by using this proverb concerning the, the land of Israel? saying, The fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. So what the father did is not going to affect the children, in other words. So let's go uh, to verse 20 in that same chapter 18. And it says, The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity. Woohoo! Isn't that great? Wow, that is pretty cool. Nor will the fathers bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. Verse 21, But if the wicked man turns from all his sins 
which he has committed, and observe all my statutes and practice, justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Woohoo! I like that because that means that if I turn, if I straighten up, God is saying that there is hope for me. You see? All his transgressions which he has committed will not be remembered against him. So that means that even if I didn't do what I was supposed to do, God is not going to hold that against me if I turn. That's what he's saying. Listen what, 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 what God is saying. I want, you to, I want you to remember this because as you're reading the scriptures, you need to know what type of God you serve. There are a lot of things that happen in the earth today. A lot of things. A lot of things happen all, all over the, the world. And you hear people sometimes when catastrophes happen and, and, and they uh, blame God. They say, well, well God is, is, is doing this, he's doing that. You know, he's he killed all the people because they are, they are, they are serving Buddha. They are, they are not serving him, so he killed them all. Listen to what it says in verse 21. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that he should turn from his ways and live? God does not have pleasure in the death of the wicked. Do you hear what it says? This is the word of God. So please, don't, during a catastrophe or situation to happen, please don't say, oh, God is just, uh, bringing iniquity on it, bringing judgment against these people. Uh, God does not have pleasure in the death of the wicked. God wants the wicked to turn. God is trying to uh, hold back things so that people will be saved. And somebody said, well, God hasn't come. He hasn't been in all these years, so he's probably not going to come back anytime soon. I can do what I want to do. Don't you know that God's long-suffering is for the salvation of people? God wants people saved. He doesn't want people to die and, and, and go to the fire and brimstone that was not uh, uh, meant for them. He doesn't want that. God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. Verse 30. Therefore, I would judge you, O house of Israel, each according to his conduct, declares the Lord. Repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. Now, that is important. He says, cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. So what is God's heart? For us to do what? Repent and live. Repent and live. That's the heart of God. So now, last week I gave you two principles of God that, I, that, that would help you, I thought, that, that God is a generational God. That's what I said. And I also said that when God calls a person, a lot goes into that calling. That was number two. Today I want to give you two also things. Uh, that, that, that you can, you can bank on. You can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. Number one, 
God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. That is the truth. That's the word of God. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? You, 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 we, we know I didn't teach my children or whatever it is. Well, let me tell you. If you already know that God wants you to repent, God wants you to live, God wants, you to, God wants his children uh, to uh, not suffer for uh, the environment that you brought them up in. Because whether you know it or not, still there's a law of God that's in operation. Just like gravity is, is, is in operation, unless you have the law of lift that will supersede gravity, if you, if you, if, if you have some means of mecha- mechanism to power yourself above gravity and keep you up, you're okay. But if you give out, out of fuel, you're coming back down because gra- gravity is going to bring you back down. Well, that's the same thing about some of the laws of God. Here's the law of God. Whatsoever you sow, that you shall reap. Now, that's the law of God now. I didn't make it. That's the law of God. It's a very important law. You say, well, wait a minute. You sure that? I'm absolutely positive. You just go to Galatians chapter 6, start in verse 7 if you want to, and it'll tell you that God wants us to sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. God says that whatsoever you sow, that shall you reap. So therefore, I'm asking God, God, I have, I have not sown good seeds all the time with my children. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I've said it in, manner, in a manner that I shouldn't have said. I've had bad attitudes a lot of time. I've done, you know, I've been mean sometimes. God, I've done, I've sown some seed. How do I make sure that these seeds don't come up? But see, I know there's a law. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you reap. Now, when you sow seeds out in, in, in the yard, like you, in the fall of the year, you can sow some grass seeds and put some hay and things down there like that. But, see, you've got to be watching because the birds will come along and they'll eat the seeds. they eat the seeds right on up. Well, you can believe it that the devil is not going to come eat those bad seeds that we've sown. He's not going to get those seeds up. So we've got to find another way. How can we get it not to grow? Well, you don't sow grass seeds in the summertime. They said that you're wasting your time because it's too hot. It's not going to grow because it's too much sun. It's not a lot of rain. Well, how can I get my seeds not to grow? Okay. Now, let's go there today. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Let's go there and find out what, what we can do to maybe take care of some of these seeds that we've sown, wouldn't it be nice if, 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 if all we had to do is go to Lowe's and get some weed killer, some seed killer, and all the stuff we've sown spiritual, see it's, see it's spiritual now, we're talking about spiritual, we get some spiritual weed killer and we just spray our children with weed killer. And said, those seeds I sow, 
They're not coming up. We know that doesn't work, does it? It's not going to work. So what do we do? Just look, look what God says here. He says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is, in, is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntary. And now what he's talking about here, he starts off talking to the leaders. He starts from the top. He says, look, don't lord over my heritage. They're not yours. The people are not yours. Don't lord over my heritage. Then he tells them a little later on, he said, I want you to lead by example. That's in verse 3. I want you to lead by example. See, a shepherd does not drive the flock. It leads the flock. And he says in verse 4 that when the, when the chief shepherd, because Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. So that's what God says to us as leaders of the, the elders of the body, that we're supposed to be watching for your souls. He said, but don't you, don't you dare think you're something when you're nothing and think that you're going to lord over my heritage. They're not yours. They're mine. Then he goes in verse 5 to the younger men. He said, you younger men, because he was talking to the elders there, the older ones, he said, that what I want you to do, likewise, he says, be subject to your elders. And now, not just the young men, the young women, the older ones, everybody, he said, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility. Let that be our spiritual clothing. Every single person in this congregation, every single person in the body of Christ, I want you to clothe yourself with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's what he said. So God is saying, I do not want to oppose you. I don't want to resist you. I want to love on you. I want to give you all that, that I created you to have. I want you to glorify me. I want, you to, I, want to, I want people to see your light shining bright, and I want them to give glory to me because they know it's not you because you're just like them. So why do you have all these good works? I want them to see your good works and glorify me. That's what God said. So therefore, I want you to resist the devil because he's going to try to get you in pride. He's going to try to make you think you're something when you're nothing. He's going to try to get you in rebellion against me. I want you to resist that because if you don't resist that and get in pride, you force me to do what I don't want to do, which is oppose you. Therefore, it says, in verse 6, humble yourselves. Now, man didn't say to each other. He's telling us how to humble ourselves. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Exalt yourselves under the, he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. 
So that's, and he'll exhaust you in due time. So that's why I tell, I told my children when they were small, I told, uh, I tell any children now, I don't want you to have to memorize anything. And by the way, the, the, in children's church, they are going through this series also, the Picture Perfect Family. And they are one lesson behind you. In other words, last week's message, they are getting taught today. This message, they'll be taught next week. Now, they have the same memory verse, each of the, the four lessons, and they have three. Each of the three lessons. That, that, that scripture memorization is Ephesians 6, 1, 2, and 3. That's all I tell them to remember. You don't have to remember nothing else. Don't remember anything else. Don't worry about it. This is what you remember, and you're going to be okay. And that verse, those three verses, everybody should know it. What does it say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your, come on, father and mother. You got it. Honor your father and mother, because this is the first commandment with the promise, that it will be well with you and that you will live long on earth. Now, if, tell me, if every child obeyed that, would we have any problem with our children? None. Zilch. And if we will obey God, what God tells us to do, in Deuteronomy, he says, I want you to, the, the commandments, these commandments I'm giving you today, they, they got to be in your heart first. They got to be in your heart. I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And I want you to teach them to your children. And I want you to talk about them when they are sitting, when they are walking by the wayside, when they are lie down, and when they get up. That's what he said. If we do what God says, the children do what God says, we will have a picture-perfect family on the inside as well as on the what? Outside. We will. That's how God made it. And we're talking about the family. And, and next week we're going to get to probably the, the husband and wife situation. And he, got, he has rules and regulations for that too, doesn't he? Because he wants a picture-perfect family because he created it to be so, didn't he? So he gave us all just standards of living. That's what he said. And he says that, I want you to realize that you do not have a life. If you're a Christian, you have given your life to me. Therefore, your life is hid with me in God, in the Father, and when I appear, you will appear also in glory. That's what he says. So if somebody tells you to, you need to get a life, you need to tell them, I don't have a life to get. I gave my life to Christ. Right? So now, you can say that the life I live, I live by the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So you're supposed to be doing exactly what God tells you to do. And that's what I tell the children to do. Do exactly what God tells them to do. Listen to what it says here. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And so if the children humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, 
if we as adults humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then we'll be a good example. If we are singles, we'll be a good example for the children. They don't have to look at us and see a bad example. We'll be a good example for the children because we have submitted ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And God's authority would keep us doing what God says is right. Wouldn't it? It really would. It's very important for us to realize that God wants humility. We need to know also that we are people of pride. All of us. There's not a one in here that doesn't have pride. Not a one. Not a one. Okay? Just in case you didn't hear it, not a one. You don't have pride. So we need to be all trying to submit ourselves to God so that he can get the pride out of our life. And I can tell you, I have pride. Let's go a little further. If you don't believe what I'm saying, I want to take you to 1 Kings chapter 21. Because in in 1 Kings chapter 21, it's a place that tells us, it confirms what I'm trying to tell you, in that God wants humility. And we can turn things around in our family if we will turn and start showing humility. The only reason why we don't obey the word of God is because of pride. Let me say that one more time. The only reason we don't obey the word of God is because of pride. See, pride, pride keeps us from humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. So whatever God says is pride to say, I'm not going to do that. I don't think we need to do that. I think God will understand if I don't do that. He understands my situation. It's pride that will do that. It's pride that will make excuses for not doing the word of God. It's pride. In verse, 20, in verse 1 of, of 1 Kings chapter 21, it tells us, I'm going to tell you, that, tell you this, the story about it because it's, it's, it's the whole chapter pretty much. I'm going to tell you a little bit of story about it. This is about Ahab, the king of Israel, and Naboth, a, a person who owns, owns a vineyard. Now, Ahab had a, a house that was right next to the vineyard that was owned by Naboth. And Naboth was given this, of course, it, it, he inherited it. It was part of his inheritance of his family line. And Ahab said, hey, will you give me your vineyard? I'll give you another vineyard. This vineyard is right close here. I can put a garden here. Would you give me your vineyard? I'll even pay you. Nabal said, no, I'm not going to give away my inheritance. Ahab goes home, and he's like most children when they're real young, and they don't get what they want. They get they get mad. They don't want to talk to anybody. You hungry? No, I don't want to eat. Well, what's wrong with you? So he had a wife whose name was Jezebel. She saw him in that state. What's wrong with you? You're the king of Israel. What's wrong with you? Nabal wouldn't give me his vineyard. I was going to pay him for it. I was giving him another. He wouldn't give it to me. Aren't you the king? I tell you what I do. I'll give you the vineyard. I'll, I'll take care of that. 
So she writes the letters, and she puts his stamp on it, sent it to the elders, and said, look, what I want you to do is fast and call Naboth up and put him in front of the people, and, 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 and I want you to get two worthless people. Worthless. They are worthless. And I want them to lie and say that Naboth, uh, he, he was talking about God, talking about the king. And they did that. And then I want you to take him out and stone him. They took Naboth out and stoned him. Then they sent word to Jezebel, okay, we took care of Naboth, he's dead. She goes to Ahab, arise, eat. I've taken care of your problem, Naboth is dead. So he goes, he's happy now. He goes to Naboth's vineyard. Let's pick it up in verse 16. It came about when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, and Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth and Jezreel to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite and saying, Arise, go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. Don't you know that the Lord knows everywhere we are and what we're doing and why we went there? You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, the dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Ahab said to, to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon you, and I will utterly sweep you away, and I will cut off from Ahab every male, both bond and free in Israel. This is what God told, told um, Elijah to say. And I will make your house like the house of uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Bethshah, and shall and, and the son of Elijah, Ahijah, because of the provocation which you which you have provoked me to anger, and because you have made Israel sin. Of Jezebel also has the Lord spoken, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel in the district of Jezreel. And this is, this is what God said. The one belonging to Ahab, who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. The one who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Surely there is no one like Ahab who sold himself to do even the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. He acted very abominable in following idols according to all that the Amorites has done. When the Lord cast out, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel, it came about, listen to this now, when Ahab heard these words, that he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted. And he lay in sackcloth and went about despondently. What did Ahab do? This is what God said he did. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Do you see how Ahab has, come on, humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but I will bring the evil upon his house in his son's days. 
Now, that to me tells me that God is a God of what? Mercy when he sees what? When he sees humility. If he doesn't see humility, it would have happened to Ahab in his day. But he saw humility. This is wicked Ahab now. You don't get any wickeder than Ahab and Jezebel. I'm telling you, you don't get any wickeder than that. And he tells him, I see humility. I'm going to change what I just said. Don't you know that when God sees humility in us, regardless of what we have done, if he sees repentance, come on now, repentance. Repentance is, is you have changed your mind about what you did and you now are going to turn and go God's way and not your way. That's repentance. Repentance is not just, okay, I'm going to do what you say. No. If your mind hasn't changed, you haven't repented. The only thing you've done is, is you're going to do the, the right thing until the next time you get tempted to a point where you're going to do the wrong thing again. You've got to change your mind about that subject matter. And then turn to go God's way. That is repentance. When God sees repentance, he will change things. God says in First John, it's not in the, in, the, in the script, but let's say it anyway. He says that, that if you confess your sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of some unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. That's what he says. That to me is good news. That to me says that if I confess my sins, and Satan will tell you, don't confess anything. Don't confess anything. You, you know, she doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that. They don't deserve that. No. Confess your sins before God. And confess your sins against those you sin against. And he says that I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and I will forgive you. He said that. I said, oh, that is so good. Do you know that God is humble? Do you know that Jesus Christ, when he walked, walked there, he, he, was, he, he showed humility. You, you remember that, that uh, Matthew 11, you remember that? Uh, he says that, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, what? Laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and, come on, humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. That's what he says. He's humble. He wants us like him. Satan is prideful. He wants to be the top dog. You're not going to be top dog. Jesus is top dog. You forget the top dog. Jesus is it. He's it. Okay? There will be no other. No one's going to share his glory. The only thing we can do is, is, is glorify him because he's worthy, isn't he? That's one. The next thing is that God is a deliverer. God is a deliverer. You need to know that. That's number two. Number one was that 
God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Number two, God is a deliverer. Let's turn to Joel chapter 2, verse 25. Let's go there and see what God says there. Now, in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, it says that, Then I will make up to you the years, he, he's talking about Israel now, he's talking about de, his deliverance to Israel. Even though Israel sinned, Israel always sinned. The, the nation of Israel, they were sinners. I mean, they just sinned. They just sinned. I mean, God's people sinned. But he says that he, he, he but he was always a deliverer, wasn't he? He'll put them in bondage for their sin, but he, he'll bring them out. It says that then I will make up to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And the creeping locust, that's the canker worm in, in the King James, the stripping locust, that's the caterpillar, and the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. God says that I'll make it up to you the years they've stolen. I said, whoo, my goodness gracious, Lord. You do that for Israel and Israel has sinned. Israel didn't do what you said to do all the time. Neither did me. I didn't do what, what I'm supposed to do. As parents, we didn't do what we were supposed to do all the time. Now, he says that I will, I'm a deliverer. I will deliver you. I will deliver you. I will repay you for the years that the canker worm has eaten. They, they eat crops. You know, I mean, you, you, they, just, they just ate up everything. You, you didn't have nothing hollering, but I'm going to make that up to you. Don't you know that some of us have children that have come up when we weren't even living for the Lord? They've come up sometimes when uh, we had did things and, and, and sowed seeds and, and had an environment where they, they, just, they just didn't want nothing to do with God or whatever, and they just strayed, and they are not living for God now. Some of us have kids like that. And I'm telling you today, which is the title of the message, with God, it's never too late. With God, is never too late. But he's looking for certain things. I'm going to give you five things that he's looking for. Five things. And maybe four, depending on your situation. Yeah. One is, he's looking for you to repent. He's looking for me to repent. He's looking up heartfelt repent, I'm talking about. Let me give you an example of heartfelt repent. Uh, Psalm 51. You remember when David sinned? I mean, how could you get worse than this? So King David took the man's wife, uh, got the wife pregnant, then killed the husband, had the husband killed. You don't get much worse than that, right? He's king now, a king of righteous justice he's supposed to be. Listen to what it says. When, when, when Nathan the prophet came to him and he gave him this uh, parable and whatnot and said, uh, you know, this is this, 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 and then he said, you that man, David. 
Listen, listen, listen to the psalm what they wrote. He's a big gracious unto me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness, your mercy. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly uh, from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what's even in, sight of, in your sight. Don't you know what we do? He said, well, if, it's because of my husband. It's because of my wife. On, 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 on the little... Uh, a little video we show. What did the woman say? It's my husband's fault. It's my husband's fault. Isn't that right? It started with Adam, didn't it? Adam said, it's that, it's that woman you gave me. <laughs> right? Didn't it? Yeah. See, we, we people want to put, put blame on somebody else. That's what we want to do. One said, no, it's not my fault. It's, it's, a, it's a serpent. It's not mine. Nobody wants to take blame. David said that, hey, I'm, I have sinned and since against you only. Can we go to God and say, God, I didn't raise my children like I should have. You know, I, I, I sowed seeds I shouldn't have been sown. Lord, I, you know, help me, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive my, my, my sin. I purpose to turn and do what you want me to do from this point on. How many teenagers do you think, if they went to their, 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 their parents and said, I have been rebellious, you know, I, I've, I've been stubborn, I've been, you know, help me to do what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to do it. From now on, I'm going to try to obey God. Forgive me of my sins. Would you say, tough stuff, you shouldn't have done it, forget it. Would you say that? No, you won't say that. You'll be crying, boo-hooing, come on. You'll say, my goodness gracious. You're going to call the neighbors, you'll call your friends and tell them, you know, what God has, you know, done to your child, wouldn't you? Sure you would. God is no different. He, he wants that from us. He wants heartfelt repentance. Number one, that's number one. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him. Number two. If you are married, have children, and you have a husband near together, both of you together, you, 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 can, you can ask your mate to forgive you because y'all are supposed to be doing this thing together, right? Parents are supposed to be rearing their kids correctly. And it's usually not just on one, it's on both of them, okay? Uh, let's say that you're a single parent. Now skip that step, and let's go to the another step. This is so important. Ooh, this is, this is so important. The first one is the most important to God. The, 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 the third one, or now say the second for those who are single parents. Or if you are a teen or, or a young adult or old adult, it doesn't matter, middle age, I don't care what you are, how many times have we with our parents, we know we were stubborn when we were growing up. Have you ever asked your parents to forgive you? I don't care if you're 49, 59, 69. Have you ever asked your parents to forgive you? I'm just telling you now, sometimes the seeds we've sown in our rebellious years are seeds now that we are reaping in our children's rebellious years. I'm just telling you now. 
Well, save your soul. That's what you'll do. Now, if you go to your children and say, I mean, just go to your son. Go to your daughter. Go to your son. I don't care how old they are. I want to ask you to forgive me. I have sinned before God and God only because I didn't reel you like I was supposed to. I didn't uh, sow seeds like I was supposed to. I did things that I shouldn't have, and it's a reflection on you. I sow seed that, 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 that you are reaping. I, I, I shouldn't have done it. Forgive me. Forgive me. From this point on, before God, I'm going to try to do exactly what I'm supposed to do. I can't go back and change anything. only thing I can do is from this point on, start living for God like I'm supposed to. I'm going to love you. I don't care if you don't love me. If you don't forgive me, I'm still going to love you because Christ loved me in spite of myself. Do you know that that is a spiritual weed killer? I'm telling you. I'm telling you now. If it can be a weed killer for Ahab, wicked Ahab, why can't it be for a child of God that just didn't do what they're supposed to do for whatever reason? Or as much as we should have done, we didn't do it. The way we should have done it, we didn't do it. With the attitude and the, and the, you know, the voice inflections and all those type of things. God wants that. And I tell parents that, that they are at odds sometimes with their teens and with their young adults. And I said, go to them and ask, ask for forgiveness. And they're the ones who rebel. No, 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 no. Go to them and ask them to forgive you because it's your fault. How is it going to be my fault? It's your fault. Because when they were little, I mean, children don't just come out of the womb and they are, they are I'm not going to cry because I don't want to cry, you know? <laughs> you don't have to feed me if you don't want to feed me. I didn't ask to come in this world. No. <laughs> children come out and they just want to love. They just want to be caressed. They want to be, you know. And we, we, we don't want to call this stuff, I'm telling you. We don't think so. The next thing, next to the last thing, next thing is that what you want to do is to ask God, God, give me strength to be obedient to your word. See, without God's strength, we're not going to be obedient if we want to be obedient. We want God to give us strength to obey him, have the boldness to obey him, even in the midst of when we don't want to. And the last thing, there was five things, and, the fourth, and that's why I said, Four, for some people, because if you don't have a mate, you, you don't have to ask them to forgive you. Uh, you just uh, go on with it, with the, skip that, that, that one. The last thing is that ask God to lead you by his Holy Spirit into, into what to say and what to do every single day. What to say and what to do Every single day. So that you can sow seeds that will create a harvest that will turn this thing around. Because just because you decide you're going to do something 
doesn't mean that everything going to turn around just like that and be hunky-dory. See, it takes time sometimes. And, and God will show you what to do. Let me give you a last scripture as, as an example of what I'm talking about. Let's turn it to 2 Samuel, uh, chapter, uh, t- let's go to 2 Samuel, chapter 24. And we want to go to verse 1. Now, in, in, in 2 Samuel 24, it says, let me talk, talk to you about uh, David, King David. He got to this point that, hey, you know what? Let me count the people, my fighting men, to see whether I'm still strong, whether I can handle people or not. So he tells, he tells his, his, his sergeant, of um, Joab, Joab, go count the people. Joab said, King David, you don't have to, God will multiply you a hundred, you don't have to count your people because God is a God who is the deliverer, isn't he not? But David said, I said, count them. So Joab got to go count them. Now, a little ways down the road here, God sends the prophet. And the prophet tells him in verse 12, Go speak to David. Thus says the Lord, I am offering you three things. Choose one Choose for yourself one of them, which I'm, I'm going to do to you because you sin. So David said, oh, don't turn me over to man. Oh, man is not merciful. You turn him over to God. And that's, that's, that's correct. So God says, okay. He gave him three things, three things he was going to do to him. You can read it on your own time. He chose the, the short, God said, I'm gonna, I'll do this right here. A plague will come on you for this, this time. Okay, God sent this plague, all these people were destroyed of Israel, a lot of them. Then, he sent a plague. Then in verse 16, when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people, it's enough. Now relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people and said, Behold, it is I who have sinned, and it is I who have done wrong. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. So Gad came to David that day and said, go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruah, the Jebusite. And so uh, he told the Jebusite that, and, and Aruah said, look, you can, have the, you can have my oxen, you can have the, all the, 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 the wood, you can have everything, you can have everything for free. And David says that, uh, verse 24, have the king said to Aruah, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built an altar 
to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land. And the plague was held back from Israel. Now, suppose uh, David uh, said, man, I'm not offering nothing because you have killed all these people and they didn't do anything, I'm not doing anything. See, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit has for us to do. See, we don't want to speak your own, own words and do your own thing. Sometimes the God might tell you, I want you to go buy this for your daughter. Now you said, but my daughter has just told me I can't even see the grandchildren. You, she told me, don't even come visit her. Now, the Holy Spirit said, go do something. We always do good, even though people might do bad to us, don't we? That's a principle of God. You know that Satan, I tell you to go do something good. So you know it can't be that. You know you don't want to do anything good to somebody. So you know it's got to be God. So if God's telling you to do that, don't you know that there's a principle uh, that, that God is trying to, trying to lay out there for you? It's the word of God saying, you know, a gift makes room for you. For you. Do you know that? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's scripture. So God was trying to tell you, go do something for your daughter, even though she doesn't want you to see the grandchildren. She doesn't want you visiting her because she's mad at you, and, and you go buy something for her, and, and God will tell you exactly what to buy. And then, boom, he starts causing her heart to change towards you. I've seen that. I've seen that. I'm telling you. Be willing to listen to the Spirit of God in what to do because he'll show you what to do to change things. Okay? Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.